This is Tommy's Outdoors 82. And our guest today is Dr. Ruth Allen. Uh, Ruth is a outdoors therapist. Um, she's also an online counselor and, and, and many other things, uh, facilitator, uh, personal development coach, etc., etc. But the aspect of outdoors therapy was something that was especially interesting to me. And we talked about the um, benefits of outdoors for mental health many times on this podcast. And uh, that's a subject that always is um, um, very interesting and many people are interested, many of you are interested in this subject. So I thought it's worth revisiting uh, these things and these concepts every now and then. And um, what a better person than Dr. Ruth Allen um, to talk about uh, benefits of being outdoors. And we also touch on many other things like the importance of unplugging. Uh, from social media and from everything like we constantly connected and this is good not only to go outdoors but maybe also to leave your phone at home um, also we talked about how to deal with negativity and somehow this is connected and uh, it's hard we know that uh, media news social media are bombarding us with negative news and um we need to find a way to deal with all that. And, and even I myself, uh, I'm reading tweets or posts of my friends and, and you know who you are. <laughs> and sometimes I go like, oh, give me a break. So how to deal with that? So all these concepts uh, and all these things uh, we discussed with, uh, with Ruth. Um, interesting episode. I, I loved it. And, and it was uh, really like a breath of fresh air after a couple of like a heavily scientific episodes that I uh, brought to you. Uh, it was pleasure to relax and talk about outdoors and talk about the need of being outdoors. And I learned a lot and I hope you will learn a lot from this podcast as well. So uh, as usual, uh, remember to go to YouTube and subscribe to Tommy's Outdoors YouTube channel. Yes, I do have a YouTube channel. And all the podcasts, the video versions of those podcasts are available there, as well as some other stuff. Regular listeners know that, but if you're here for the first time, you might wish to check my YouTube channel or my Instagram page, uh, at Tommy's Outdoors. And so now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Ruth Allen and the importance of being outdoors and unplugging. Outdoors therapy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, oh, listen. Uh, uh, I, actually, you were you were requested one of the requested guests. It's it's not happening very often that people are requesting guests, but uh, you're a requested guest, and you agree to to come on a podcast. Wow, that's I feel very fancy now. <laughs> a requested guest, but yes, um, something. This, Listen, I, 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 I read through your bio and you're obviously, you have many talents. So you're, you're, as far as I can tell you, the main thing that you do, you do outdoor and online counseling and therapy. 
mm-hmm. but you're also an adventurer and you're writer and you're art maker. Why not artist? <laughs> like artist, no, art maker. I find it interesting. Good question. Yeah. Good question. I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel like an artist. I feel like I make things. Yes. I like, I actually like that. I actually like that because uh, I, I know from my past, you know, a lot of people who want to pretend to be their artists. Uh-huh. And so they're not doing any art. They're just are artists. And that, <laughs> right. that, that is mm-hmm. being displayed at being, you know, drunk a long, long time and doing all the crazy stuff. But where is actual art? There is none, but <laughs> <laughs> there are artists, though. So you're on the other side. Like you're an art maker. Yes, <laughs> so actually, I actually do the do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I must. I must say, I admire your your uh, Adobe Illustrator skills because you're. I saw you're in Adobe Illustrator making those pictures. I was like, whoa, that's a some next level. <laughs> Thank you. I was using Adobe Illustrator just to do like a like a uh, you know like a plaque for my podcast it's like okay this is it (laughs) well i mainly use photoshop now i must say i do Uh also use illustrator Uh but i every time illustrator brings out a new thing it gets it's it it's kind of complicated whereas i feel like photoshop it's consistently i know where i'm at with the tool so i recommend Uh changing go to photoshop (laughs) right okay 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 so listen so you have all these these fantastic things in your bio you completed PhD in Himalayan geology. Yeah. So you trained geologists. You... Yeah. So I started off in geology because I wanted to spend more time in the mountains. Right. So while I was looking for an undergraduate course, I thought, what's going to be a really good passport to the mountains? So I thought geology. Ah. <laughs> and it kind of made sense. It, yeah. it made sense. But as I realized over time, over the years, and the more I did of it, mm-hmm. until I got to PhD level, that mm-hmm. actually I was spending more time in front of a microscope, mm-hmm. analyzing rocks than I was actually traveling. Mm-hmm. And I probably could do more mountain travel if I wasn't doing geology. Right. <laughs> it's a little bit like with Tommy's Outdoors podcast, which ended up not being outdoors, but being in front of the computer and doing all the podcasts <laughs> exactly. and all the editing rather than outdoors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem of anything, isn't it? That's you love, you end up, a lot of it has to be done indoors. So, And I spend mm-hmm. all my time telling people now about nature connection and well-being mm-hmm. and you know, I spend more time telling other people to do it than I have to do it myself. <laughs> so it's, you know, I think we're all kind of captured by this, aren't we? Mm. You get so passionate about telling other people that you forget to do it for yourself. Maybe yeah. that's like the human, the human yeah, way. Yeah. So listen, and then you're, you traveled uh, on foot through all the mountains in the world or most of them. <laughs> you, you, you run solo unsupported through Bosnian mountains. So, like, which is probably, you know, I, I want to hear about that. That's, that's a separate thing. And, and I bet you this mm. is like a material for another podcast altogether. <laughs> but for now, my question is like, where the thera- therapeutical and therapy aspect came to that? Was it like a, once you experience all these great things in the outdoors and in the mountains, it was like, whoa, I need to share that with people or I need to, you know, open their eyes to this or, or did it, you know, was it always somewhere? I I guess, well, as I said, I started working with rocks and then eventually I kind of got to the stage where I thought this isn't enough. And so I was volunteering for the Samaritans Mm -hmm. um, over here in the, in, in England. And I was, 
um, increasingly interested in people and working with people, but I had these kind of two train tracks of my life. So the the challenge from for, for years was how do I bring these together? And so part of me trying to work out my own way in the world and what I wanted to do was to go out and go walking and to go to the mountains and to go on long journeys and trips. And it just started to occur to me how much I use, not just how much I enjoy nature for itself, but how much I use it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. reticent to use the word use because it's very utilitarian, but mm-hmm. using it as a resource to help me think through decisions and I, I sort of just thought, what if I could bring together the outdoors um, and therapy, because I was moving more in that direction, having got mm-hmm. a bit of an experience of sort of counselling mm-hmm. Samaritans. So I just sort of thought, what if I could put these together, but not, not just loosely together? How could I do therapy? How could I take it out of the room? Because I felt that I wasn't particularly interested in sitting in a room Mm-hmm. in a kind of a clinical environment I wanted to be moving I wanted to sort of be in the fresh air and so I went into my I decided to train in psychotherapy but at the moment you can still only go in via the regular route which is indoors mm-hmm. um, and there's lots of post kind of qualification training popping up for outdoors but I went into it thinking well I'll do my um my core training and then I will develop my outdoor practice. Mm. So it all came from that sort of how do I, how does nature work for me and can I offer that to other people? Right. Right. And so it just gradually came together and here we are some years later. Right. And, and you think this is certainly has a advantages over like a classical, like indoors approach. I think it's different for different people. I think, Mm. you know, there's certain strengths to it. So in a way outdoors, as I practice is we walk a lot. So we're in movement a lot more than if you're Mm. sitting down. Not everyone who works outdoors does move as much. They might go and sit outside in a place, but so for me, it appeals if people are interested in working with their body. So in some ways, it's it's oriented towards a body therapy. Right. But also, you know, there's the vitamin D, there's the fresh air, there's the physiological benefits that perhaps you don't get when you're sat in a room mm-hmm. that are just working away in the background. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm really sort of sold on this idea that that nature in its own way is therapeutic without you having to do anything further. So I think it, and there's other kind of specific elements. So if you're walking side by side, for example, that's quite different to if you're sitting, looking at someone in a chair. Mm -hmm. So it appeals to people who perhaps feel overwhelmed by being in an indoor space who might Mm -hmm. really value a different quality of eye contact. Yeah. Um, So it just, you know, and I find that people come to me who have said, Oh, I've never thought about counseling before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the idea of it, but I like the idea of what you do. Right, right. And it's even, uh, I've read somewhere that the, your, your entire brain works differently when you're moving. It's, it's even, um, I read somewhere recommendations for like knowledge workers, people who are, you know, engineers mm. sitting in front of a computer and they have a, that quite often they found a solution to the problem where they actually get out, go outside or go somewhere, they're walking, but they're still thinking. I obviously don't remember all the details now, but there's like physical difference in how the brain works and how the heck yeah. different chemicals gets released through a bloodstream Absolutely. that facilitates this, this how, how we think. 
yeah there seems to be quite a lot of really interesting stuff around how it um interrupts rumination different like as you say different kind of releases of different kind of chemicals or different signals and you know I guess we've known for a long time that changing the environment is good for creative solution making so Mm. I think yeah the really physiological differences in what our bodies do and our minds start to do and there's different processes that kick in when you're outside and you're moving you know it doesn't you don't just have to be moving outside you could be moving inside that's perhaps the difference is that sense of movement and what happens in our brains in the mind body connection yeah yeah it's and it it, you know it's again uh regular listeners to the podcast probably uh remember me uh, saying that many times but it strikes me like for example if you go somewhere to the to the countryside fishing or whatever you're doing and you get out of the car you have this feeling like a calmness it's like everything is is slowing down and not not long ago i heard um, people talking about that when they go out for a long trip and this is this is surely something that you can that you can uh share your own experience that when you go for for a long trip like you know either hike or or hunt or whatever that is and you're in a in a in the wilderness for a week like day after day, like everything starts to slow down and you're becoming mm-hmm. more kind of aware of everything that's, that's going, like, you know, like you're changing the tune, like your brain is tuning into the nature. Mm-hmm. And then um, the interesting thing I heard is like people who are spending really long time uh, in, in the wilderness, they say like towards the week five, this still, it is still happening. You're still <laughs> slowing down. It's like no sign of, of slowing this process down. So think right, about wow. where you can go when you're like month. Yeah, yeah. Imagine how slow when you're just down to like the very core basics of existence. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, yeah, is it an exponential decay of just activity and movement? But mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but you're right. You do slow down and you, as you say, you attune to nature's rhythms, don't you? Mm. And certain aspects of modern life are also stripped away. And I suppose the time gets a lot more essential. So you're just going, you know, there's something very ritualized about time outside prolonged periods of time and wilderness. You know, it's eating, it's sleeping, it's walking. Mm-hmm. It's that rhythm and ritual, I think, is important in that feeling of slowing down as well. Yeah. And I think it's just, there's also that, um, the calming of the sympathetic nervous system. So when we're doing something like that, you're kicking into the parasympathetic nervous system. So rest and digest. So in a way, everything is conspiring, isn't it? When things are going well, that is, to bring your body into a state of calm that becomes almost meditative. But of course, I suppose this is one experience of nature. It's not, you know, people can feel quite distressed outside. They can feel quite lost. They can feel quite, they don't know what to do. So I suppose it's not always the case that it's <laughs> meditative and in easy. It can be risky as well. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's actually a good point because there are people who are just getting insane when they see the a insect walk. It's like, oh my God, spider! Or, or, or something like that. Did, did, did you found like in your, in your therapy that if you have people like that and it kind of doesn't work or like, 
Are you, do you, do you vet people before you take them? I was like, uh, have you, are you afraid of spiders? Are you afraid of the dark? Are you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. The vet feels like the appropriate word, but no, it's not quite, um, I find maybe it's quite self-selecting so that people mm -hmm. that usually want to try outdoor therapy, perhaps at, in the very least have a, a curiosity they want to explore or they are already quite interested in the outdoors or they have some sense that, being outside in the rest of nature supports them i haven't yet worked with anyone who is who's almost ended up doing outdoor therapy <laughs> even though that they don't really want to be there so i don't know but i do always start with a kind of an assessment to see but it's often it amounts to how are you with dogs because obviously dog walkers are the main things you come across And what's, what's your existing relationship with nature? And those are the two things I'm interested in. And I mm -hmm. hope that if people are terrified of insects and stuff, then they would say, or perhaps just not contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, it was a phobia. Because I suppose you could do good phobia work outside and mm -hmm. gradually... You know, help inoculating people. people to the presence of <laughs> yeah, <those> but, creeping <laughs> creatures. But I would be very interested if someone got in touch and they weren't really into, you know, they weren't really into being outside mm -hmm. to choose that. As I would quite like to work with somebody like that. I think that would be really interesting because even they, they're still inquiring. So they must have something in them. Mm -hmm. that disconnection that wants to be reconnected. So. Right. And, and can you... Do you do you see like a like a pattern in people who are kind of contacting you and and going to work with you that these are uh, people who are missing this disconnection or you don't don't see anything kind of like in common? I don't. Yeah, I don't think I do see any particular pattern. I think the main thing I see is that people are in some way they're they're interested in the process of outdoor therapy because they're interested in being outdoors quite often what people will say to me about my work or if they've seen a talk or they've come to a workshop is oh you know this all makes so much sense I always knew it but I couldn't quite put words to it so we're not I'm not doing anything or mm -hmm. speaking about anything that is way out there for people mm -hmm. it's just that it's taking the time to consolidate that into almost a, a pathway for For, for healing or recovery or whatever you want to call it for treatment in the medicalized language. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, we know this, we intrinsically know when we go outside mm -hmm. that it feels good. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take much for people to buy into it. Right, right, right. It's, it's natural. Mm -hmm. Listen, I am interested in, in another thing um, because obviously we had a, a few uh, exchanges on online and, and i and i follow your your twitter your instagram um and by the way everybody who listens to that they should also follow your instagram and your twitter um but you know i'm i'm going to talk about negativity and and you 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 touch on the important thing like how people deal with negativity Right and um, and I have a I ha I have a very specific question related to negativity and the outdoors, but I just don't want to jump right now for the, for that question. Right, I want to I want like kind of okay start. You're holding out. You're yes, yes, <laughs> yes, because because obviously, um, especially 
I don't know if especially especially now in these days and social media and a constant bombardment of everything and obviously bad news sells well so, we, <laughs> yeah. so so we're getting bombarded with 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 that uh, a lot and do you see like a this outdoors being in the outdoors in nature almost like a panacea for for that negativity for that constant you know flow of information i don't think there's any i don't see anything as a panacea and i don't think that nature and connection with nature is i know that some people feel that you know if you just have you just go outside it will cure all ills <laughs> you know you just have to go outside and you'll have no anxiety or no depression or i just don't i don't buy it i think we're designed to be part of a whole ecology and that is being also in relationship with our own species and there's so many variables and things that have to be in tune. You can spend all your time outside, but if your relationships with other people are dysfunctional or broken or Mm -hmm. in any other way challenged, you can't spend your whole life outside ignoring it. And that's, that's also not going to help you. So I'm always very wary of people that say, you know, outdoors is a, is a panacea to everything. I think it has its place and the, and what we want is people to live balanced lives where a, Mm -hmm. a, a good connection with nature that serves themselves and serves nature Mm -hmm. um, and serves others is the aim but that's not very sexy is it people Mm -hmm. want the modern world wants us to be like oh yeah there's a there's the miracle cure there's the nature cure Mm -hmm. yeah and you know this is the cure to your life and your negativity and the way the world is just go outside and you know outside is free just go and have fun use it as your playground and i I think it's all quite all of that i find quite problematic right i don't know if that's actually what you're asking but that's where no i was like we get it we're getting there it's 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 you know part of the bigger topic um because where i started is with this with this flow of negativity right and uh, part of the idea is like cut off all your or at least periodically you know i just go go offline Mm, don't do it yeah. right though just just cut that that but it, it is kind of you know and this is something i'm struggling as well trying to figure out where is the boundary between i am just gonna cut off this constant flow of bad news and everything like you know oceans are on fire and mm. this and that and trump said and like you know whatever and be outdoors and be enjoying all that. And how much this is a good thing to do and how much this is kind of like a, you know, putting head in the sand. Yeah. And, you know, where is it? It's very hard, isn't it? And I think yeah. it's a delicate balance daily, depending on where you're at emotionally with things, how robust you're feeling. I sometimes, I think it's great to step away and to re- you know, to, to shut down sometimes from the bad news, but, and the negativity, but I also, I'm not, I'm not in favor of a toxic positivity either that we mm-hmm. all just have to present content and say things that make everyone else feel better. I think we mm-hmm. have to find ways to balance truth speaking, allowing negativity and difficult emotions and difficult thoughts and feelings and things people are saying and just mm-hmm. learn to be nuanced with it. And so that kind of endless dance of going in and out of things. So like, yeah, log off sometimes, go and immerse yourself in nature, but but come back and and, and engage meaningfully or purposefully. So I yeah. don't I don't know. I feel like there isn't 
I don't know what to do with it either. I think I think about it all the time is how to, <laughs> to hold both of these things in a kind of a intention, really. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that when you're, you know, uh, and, and obviously you're, you're also in, the, in your bio, you're, you're talking about connection with nature and planetary health and the relation between human and nature and, and you know, talking about outdoors uh, topics, it's, it's impossible almost to not constantly touching on, you know, negative stuff right climate change biodiversity mm. loss extinction all, 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 all these things um and even, even interacting with people who are you know either online or, or my guests on the podcast you know sometimes like especially when you're in the area of conservation or in the area of uh, you know rewilding or, or whatever that is um a lot of time all communication is dominated, is absolutely dominated by all the negativity. Like yeah. This, 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 this. And um, I had a, many times, it was mentioned many times, and especially with, with, with my friend, uh, Porek Fogarty, who's a, a campaign officer on Irish Wildlife Trust. And Porek, if you listen to this, I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> but he's yeah, like, sometimes I can take it. Like the, the messaging is, and, and he said like, you know, people, people were talking about you cannot do all the negativity all this you need to put the positive message and i was trying that but then when i see all this i stopped it and i'm only you know uh, mm -hmm. ringing the bell all the time all the negativity and I, and I personally i don't know how he can but we don't respond to that well do we humans don't cope very well with endless negativity and, and please and tell tell us about tell us about it because i know that certainly <laughs> i don't like, like, like I, I, at some point I just shut down. I just, I think, well, I think your experience sounds true. Probably I would imagine of the general human experience that we have a certain capacity, but then we come to a point where we become quite numb or quite shut off from, or quite desensitized to. And so I think it's important that we, well, firstly, we re-engage with the numb parts, you know, why have they gone numb? and but also to to mix a message of hope in there as well i mean nobody it's about motivation and purpose isn't it and if all you ever hear is it's over it's doom and gloom everything is done it's not motivating yeah it, exactly. and it and nobody ever did anything out of being shamed that was true or authentic i think we can shame people into things and maybe behaviorally for a little while they'll do it but it doesn't bear out really long term people are motivated when they've got a, when they know the good reasons for something when they see the rationale when they feel that they can have autonomy and agency over something they're more likely to do something positive just saying you know you must not you must not you it it it, it <laughs> doesn't work it it's creates short-term gains so i think in terms of you know climate we have to say this is the true picture but these are the ways that you can be hopeful and purposeful and contribute in a way that gives you a sense of agency mm -hmm. um i think that's really important i think we're built that way we need to have a mix we need to have things to strive for to yeah to care about to to feel excited by and so a constant narrative of negativity 
yeah. is um i don't think helpful but it is about being realistic isn't it because we can't be denying <laughs> climate change and things like that it's but you're right the, the the underlying cogs of the machinery here is that media wants wants to depress you with all of the awfulness yes and <laughs> so i i don't know we have to find our own way to 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 i think it's about purpose it's about okay this is awful however mm. can i can i still contribute something can i still find joy Mm-hmm. in in engaging with difficult things and yeah. you know yeah yeah i i think i think i think you're right um it's but it's hard sometimes you know i'm i i i'm really maybe not afraid but i'm kind of worried that we can lose that joy of being outdoors Mm. by you know because you have you have you you go you go fishing and in the back of the head you have all this inf- information like oh the oceans are full of plastic and we have a microplastic everywhere and all the species are uh, you know endangered or critically endangered and, and uh, you know shifting baseline we were catching this many fish you know 10 mm. years ago and now is this and you go like oh you know i find it gradually harder and harder to deal with it is harder and i think it is harder and harder and i suppose we have to ask ourselves is this hard because i don't like having to change the things i used to do and the things that i naively thought were okay Mm -hmm. or is it hard because of some other reason and i think sometimes we we don't want to hear it (laughs) Mm. we don't want to hear because we think, well, what I'm doing, is it so bad? But, you know, if, if we all depleted stocks, if we all flew everywhere and did everything and just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. ripped stuff out the ground, made stuff and buried it back in landfill, which is kind of what we do, isn't it? We mm-hmm. rip out the minerals, we make stuff and then we mm-hmm. chuck exactly. it away. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if we all just lived as we wanted to, just like in those glory days in our minds of, you know, I just do what I want and there's no repercussions, mm-hmm. then we're not going to have a living planet. So I, I think there's something about in, we have to engage. We want joy. We want to still love these things. And it's very difficult for us to really let in the idea that maybe some of our behaviours might be destructive and maybe we have to rein something in. So we kind of get a bit defensive about it. And it's like, yeah. I only want to, I just want to enjoy myself. It's my right. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I think we have to be quite honest with ourselves and that can be quite a big step because it involves some shaming of our, it involves some sort of having to admit to ourselves that maybe some of our own behaviours haven't been very sustainable or very kind to the planet when you mm-hmm. put them together on mass and that's not an easy thing to face is it our own mm-hmm. culpability yeah yeah but then this interesting point like was it by our own you mean like personal or our own as a species or as a as a you know kind of tribe uh you you belong well it's the different intersections isn't it because mm-hmm. it's it's individual it's societal it's i mean I think I read somewhere at the beginning of lockdown that only 6% of people have ever flown. So there's certain, you know, there's certain, 
ways you can slice the cake and say, well, <clears throat> actually the huge disproportionate burden of, you know, kind of flight carbon footprint is coming from the Western world, the affluent mm. Western world. So maybe we in that sense is we affluent Western world, but sometimes it's, it. I often think it's not about individuals. It's what happens when we are together as a species and we're, mm-hmm. if we're thinking individualistically we'll always say well it's okay because i'm not doing loads myself yeah. but when you put six billion of us together <laughs> yeah. so i don't know i think we just have to get more clever looking at the ecology of our impact we have to sort of be like well you know is it governmental is it yeah is it a tribe level is it yeah. community and yeah, it, you know, it I, still I, starts with the individual, though, doesn't it? Meaningful yeah. change has is where communities built up of individuals. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that is that something that you're you notice is impacting you when you're taking people into the outdoors and and you know try to get them reconnect with nature and kind of you know, inhale these therapeutical properties of being outdoors. And then there's this thing and you go like, oh, I didn't, you know, it didn't, it isn't supposed to go this way. And the reason I'm asking this question, I, I, I have a very specific example. And I think um, I saw on, on Instagram, your, your, your posted a picture of, of, of hills of the mountains. Right? It's a beautiful mountain and like, like, uh, like mountain looks in Scotland and in Ireland. And I also thought that they're beautiful and I like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then again, I was kind of educated that there actually, there's nothing beautiful because it's a dead landscape. It's overgrazed, mm-hmm. it's called wet desert, minimum biological uh, capacity and destruction of the environment, everything. And now I'm thinking, and once you know those things, right, you, it, it kind of stuck in your brain. So yeah. now, you, now you go to your beautiful walk, you stand on the top of the hill, and instead of saying like, ah, what a beautiful landscape, all that's in your mind is like, it's a wet desert, it's a dead <laughs> landscape, it's, it's, it's landscape of death, it's overgrazed <laughs> through the generation of sheep on the hills and like, right, it's like, oh, I better, I better go. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, no, I, I have been there and I have thought that and I think I oscillate between that position and still trying to find the beauty in the dead wet landscape. <laughs> because I think, you know, still visually it's very striking. And yes, it's not what it would have been. And But in a way, my brain doesn't know that. My brain has a visual response to what is. And this is a lot mm. of the problem in a way, isn't it? Yes. Is that we don't remember when, um, you know major fauna were roaming the world, uh, roaming our country and our landscape. So we can't emotionally connect with it. And so we just see what's in front of us. And, and of course, we're going to look at that and think, oh, that's lovely. Or I like the lines of that. Or we'll look at a fragment of forest and we'll be like, oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we're told, oh, yes, well, it's only 1% of what it should have been. Yeah. And, and it's a non-native toxic Sitka spruce. Yeah. And that's a timber plantation. Like, what are you saying? Yeah. Ah! And all you think is like, oh, yeah, but to me, that's really cool. Because that's mm-hmm. all I know. And so I think we have to 
we have to find a way of balancing, like not destroying people's joy <laughs> and mm-hmm. love, but also saying, yeah, maybe it's, you know, it, it, this is great and it could be better because it was once better or something. And I don't think we've cracked that yet. I think we're too willing just to slam down on people and go, no, it's a wet mm-hmm. desert. Don't appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it, but at the same time, and as we're saying, can we be left left to believe that it, this is exactly what it should look like and that this is really healthy? I mean, it, ethically, mm-hmm. do we just let people stay ignorant to it? That's a that's a that's an excellent question. What do you think? What's your what's your own gut feeling on that? <laughs> um, I think we all deserve to know the way things are to the best of our current knowledge. So if it's a wet, dead desert. <laughs> I think that I somehow need to know that, but I think I need to know how to do something about that. Or I need to know what's being done to rectify that and how I can play a part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think it's good enough to stay in ignorance. I just, I just don't think that's just me and my moral compass. I just Mm -hmm. think we have to, we've a lot of problems in society have come about through us turning a blind eye, whether that's through, racism to environmental mm-hmm. degradation but i do think we can't break people's spirit and i think there's a danger certainly this year mm-hmm. <laughs> this year of all years that there's a lot of broken spirits around you know yeah. I, I remember a time when people used to talk about the future <laughs> and people yeah. used to talk about 20 you know oh the 20th 21st century being like the future and it was exciting mm-hmm. and now nobody talks about Nobody talks about it because there's climate change, there's COVID, there's Brexit, there's racism, there's, it, it's hard and you sort of, it shuts down. And so we don't have that hope. And I think we need to have a renewed vision mm-hmm. of the future. Mm, that's, that's, a, that's an excellent point. And how much do you think this is related to such a, saturation of information and such an availability of information and obviously that that filter that all that information goes through it's almost like if it's a good news it doesn't make a cut because like nobody mm-hmm. you know um because quite often um uh, and i but maybe i'm i don't want to give any particular examples but there's often like many of these things were before were happening before we just didn't hear about them yeah and how much it is you know one one of my 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 favorite things is uh for example Lyme disease where we hear about a lot of that right <laughs> one of your favorite things <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 I, 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 I like to bring that example as a you know if you go back 30 40 50 years and you talk to farmers they cannot, you know, they cannot go outside in the field and they have ticks and they've got this Lyme disease and it's all terrible and, and so on. They would, they would laugh at you. I was like, what? Right. And, mm-hmm. but that still was there. Right. So to what extent certain things are unnaturally amplified mm-hmm. and we, and they're, they're kind of this such a big monsters now that we have to deal with why they were, you know what I mean? It's like where, yeah, where yeah, I do know what you mean, and I think it's hard sometimes to discern 
the real things we should be worried about and the things that have become yeah monsters kind of or folk devils or you know yeah. whatever you want to call them that have been amplified because there's some agenda for that and mm-hmm. it's very hard when you're part of the same matrix isn't it when you're part of the matrix to be able to exit the matrix and see it the way it really is so i think that there are things that are undeniably um important and different and i think probably climate change is one and i think our population the global population is continuing to grow and grow and grow and loss of biodiversity that's not to say that on a geological time scale this is rare (laughs) it's just that it's most relevant for us now in our tiny time scale but do i think that every single thing that the news throws up is something to worry about no because i think you're right i think a lot of things have always been around and it's just, and we're not designed to have all of this information. We're not, we're not biologically created yes. that way, are we? I mean, we, we would have lived in smaller communities. I think evolutionarily, we're still very primitive. We've got quite limit, you know, lizardy brains. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it, it's like in the, um, uh, is it Jaron Lanier's book, 10 Reasons to Quit Social Media uh-huh. right now, he talks, or in the, the recent Netflix thing, The Social Dilemma, there's this idea that we're not designed to have the validation of 10,000 strangers on social media. Mm-hmm. We're, used, we're much more designed to have the input and validation of a small tribe, community, family. And I think it's the same thing. We're not designed to know all of the world news, all of the bad things. Yes, We're designed to sort of know what's going on around us and to be, I think, take action accordingly. You know, So I think it, that... And that's a real argument, I think, for becoming much more place-based mm. and knowing our place that's around us and knowing what's happening to it, what's happening to our local nature and feeling that we can do something purposeful with that because I think that is very positive and you can start to see things, you can look at it through different lenses of time and and it's a manageable amount, I think, yeah. the endless kind of... Yeah, because as you say, things are things have always been happening over there when we couldn't see them, but now it's like, oh my god, what do yes. I care about? And yes, and it's often a lot of bad stuff. And I I find that I have to be quite disciplined in uh, managing the bad news and allowing the good news stories. So I make sure mm-hmm. that the things I read are a balance of. Mm-hmm. So I read, for example, Resurgence and Ecologist magazine, which I subscribe to, and it's very positive in as much as it it talks about all of the kind of current concerns, but it's oriented around, you know, projects, interesting community-led stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of got a hopeful message. So I think we need to be quite a lot more sophisticated than our biology has yeah. created. You're, you're right, you're right. We're, we're completely, like, essentially, we are the same as we were in the times of the cavemen. Mm-hmm. But now we have this uh, this tribe of thousands of, you know, friends. Friends, right? Like, how do I manage thousand friends? They're not <laughs> friends, really, are they? Um, what, 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 hey, what tip would you give people to to manage better their their social media and their 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 intake of information? Do you have any advice? No, I find it. I find the best thing is to have very strict boundaries. I find for me, I can't be off of it forever. I would love to delete them. And there are times when I delete them for temporarily. Mm -hmm. So last year I took three months. I took the summer 
I basically took from the summer solstice to the autumn equinox offline. Yeah, um, awesome. And that was really cool. And it, but Were I you had, like completely offline, offline, offline? Not completely. So I still had my emails and I was still working on mm -hmm. online, like we're talking now. Um, but I didn't, and I still browse, you know, I still buy books, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but for, off social media and You're right. those, those kind of, um, all of that sort of stuff off YouTube, off, off the apps. Um, and I, I find it very valuable. However, I do think if you've built a business or in, you're in any way in need of those platforms, because there are currently no other viable options, it would seem for getting work out there. If that's mm -hmm. what you need in a way professionally, we've got to find a way to live with it. And I know some people would say there, you know, for as long as you're in it, then there's no escaping it, and mm -hmm. that that Silicon Valley will never do better. But <laughs> I feel like, well, maybe that's true, but I still need to make a living, you know. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'm a big advocate of being super boundaryed. So I'm, mm -hmm. and I forget, I totally do, but I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly, you know, don't look before a certain time in the morning. Take time to be with yourself, to do your work, or to read. Mm -hmm. Ideally, my ideal day would look like log in at 12 or thereabouts, log in at lunchtime. So I've had a morning of kind of deep work, as it were, mm -hmm. and then log out maybe kind of seven o'clock, maybe before dinner and mm -hmm. then have the evening to read and then maybe nothing on the weekends. Mm -hmm. To just try and get into that routine of it, it not being central to our lives or, you know. Yeah. But for not for everyone, it won't be. Um, I think it's perhaps, you know, if you use it a lot, I use it a lot and I use it for work as mainly not personal. So, mm -hmm. but I, I think boundaries is the way forward. Um, yeah. But you're still the product. You're still, you're still being, you're still, your data is still in there. You're still part of the same anxiety machine as I would call well, it. Well, exactly. Because we all know that this is all designed that way to, to fuel that, that addiction, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's the same mechanism as, as, as addiction where I think it's a dopamine addiction, right? Each yeah. time, each, each time something, someone liked your post or, and then you ended up like, uh, like this experiment yeah. with the rats. Yeah. That they were coming back and we all almost like the rats are coming back to your Instagram, to your Twitter. Well, yeah, your... and they keep you sufficiently bought in because sometimes, you know, <laughs> the algorithm means that nobody sees your stuff. So then you try really hard to try and keep <laughs> it. Then you get some engagement and you think, oh, I'm doing it right. So in any case, they get you there working hard. Mm. And I think, you know, okay. <laughs> but you know we, we have to take it on ourselves to do better don't we and to, mm, yeah to look yeah. after ourselves and you know when i log off i often it's not just don't use them i log off sometimes i delete the app and reinstall after the weekend sometimes <laughs> even the next day uh -huh. it's giving that extra point of when it would just be easy just to behaviorally just because it's like a muscle memory yes yes <laughs> yes, I don't even I like why. Why am I looking at it? I, I don't yeah. even rem I don't even remember opening it, and here it is. I'm no, reading about exactly another. Thing. I mean, I find that very scary, and I think imagine mm -hmm. if you could not do that for a start, but imagine if you could do that with other things or the time that you waste from that. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm still trying to work it out myself. I just, mm -hmm. I, I always, I hope that anyone that I work with or anyone that listens to me, um takes a sort of a sense of like do your best 
<laughs> do your best because you you're up against it. And that's the same in terms of your building relationship with nature, social media, your mm-hmm. health and well-being. It's like, yeah. just make steps. Yeah. Like, don't thrash yourself with thinking you've got to get this right and that right. And um, because that just is more pressure in an already pressurized world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly do you have this protocol if you're taking somebody outdoors you like got no phone you're just like not looking at the phone is that <laughs> is that the part of it well i i think that happens naturally i mm-hmm. think most people one thing i love about therapy is it and it's a bit like um this podcasting it's like the last the last bastion of human conversation you know huh. that isn't mediated through technology of someone looking at their phones and sometimes you know clients will need to look at their phone um sometimes it happens more online actually that the session will get distracted by someone looking at their phone or something but i really love that quality and i think other people do i think we we really value that time Mm -hmm. but it's increasingly not available to us and so actually to be able to come into therapy put your phone in your pocket you're not looking you've got each other's undivided attention Yes. It's quite special in itself, actually. And I think we, we could all do with more of that. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. No, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. Listen, another question or like something I was thinking about, and it's, it's, you kind of mentioned that already, and especially as a geologist, right? you operate at massive time scales, mm. right? And... I must say that quite often I am finding comfort in almost like this is like so small. Like we 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 think oh, this is like the worst thing ever, right? The Trump said this and something burning over there, and we and then you look at it like a even time scale of a planet. And everything that's been through the, the dinosaurs and before dinosaurs, the trilobites and all these things, they come and go. And now you think like, we think we are almost as a species, we so self-important, right? Mm-hmm. We are like, and I, I quite often find a comfort in, in kind of grabbing the time scales. Like, well, actually, no matter what we do, it's not like, don't we planet doesn't need to be saved we can only either save ourselves yeah <laughs> or or we're not gonna save ourselves the planet will be fine and the life on on the planet will continue because right the planet was hit by the cosmic bullet and everything was wiped <laughs> out and look at this it's back yeah. right is that some is is that a part of it like what's your what's your comment i totally that? relate to that for myself i mean I, I don't know how other people feel and i think some people perhaps are exasperated with me sometimes because i don't worry about a lot of things right now i'm not i'm lucky i'm one of the lucky ones i'm not deeply prone to anxiety and yet i you know work with it extensively um you yeah. know that's not to say i'm immune from it but i maybe it is partly having that geological Mm-hmm. training or mind that, mm-hmm. that appreciation of deep time i tend to f- when i'm feeling my most despairing about for example you know climate change or yeah. you, there's all the bad news that you've read i tend to fall back on this in the position of oh well the planet will be better off without us anyway we won't be here and it will recover <laughs> 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 it's quite a nihilistic place to go to i suppose yes but- it is 
but I find it, but like you, I find some comfort in it. In but that, I tr- I I don't let that tip over into oh well I'll just be an idiot then and I'll just do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. go. I don't go there with it. It doesn't make me hedonistic and reckless. It just it helps to temper the edges of anxiety, I suppose, or worries. Um, so I think there is that massive time scale, but I find the other antidote is to get really micro time scale. Oh, it's like, interesting. Either go really big and really wide, <laughs> mm-hmm. or really like the lived moment. And I'm really interested in, you know, every second. Like, how are you experiencing life? And I know we can't go through life constantly going, "What now? What now? What now?" And mm-hmm. but to really try and enjoy and. <laughs> enjoy and i don't know take fulfillment from and be content with each moment as it unfolds and i so i think there's i think when we go into the middle ground of months and years things start to feel mm-hmm. hopeless or scary or frightening yeah but in the moment of you know what's in front of me how do i feel in my body now how's my mind doing what what mm-hmm. excites me what's beautiful in my eye line I think when you can be there, that can offer a lot of joy and the big time scale can offer a lot of comfort. So I think oscillating between those two is a quite an interesting practice. And I, I've got really interested during lockdown in, um, I've got a new telescope. Uh-huh. And so I'm spending quite a lot of time looking at, um, I, in this last week, we've seen Saturn and Jupiter, mm-hmm. seen the rings of Saturn for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, with my own eyes. <laughs> So I'm like, there's this fascinating kind of cosmology. There's this bigger picture. And I find it very useful just to go, oh, yeah, there, there's Jupiter. There are things bigger than what I'm stressing about right now. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's interesting. But I think we're not, maybe we're not connected to that. Maybe we could all sort of try and connect more to the bigger cosmology of, of our yeah. lives and the bigger realms and the the bigger landscapes as some sort of antidote. I, 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 I think that even when you're taking people for the walk in the outdoors, that naturally after, after time kind of triggers this staying in the moment, right? The flow state or mm. um, I'm just concerned. And, and I think that I, I heard that a lot uh, from military people who are going through uh, you know, either difficulties during the deployment and during the missions, like just what is my next step? And I need to take my next step and I need to make in the, and your entire focus is on your next thing you need to do in the next five seconds and five minutes. Right. And this is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I presume when you, when you go with people outdoors and you walk with mountains or you, you, you walked all the mountains on foot, right? So surely this is, <laughs> well, I don't know that I've walked all the mountains on foot. I've spent some time in a lot of the big ranges, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that being present to the moment in big landscapes and just focusing on that is a great tonic for a lot of things. And it's important for a lot of work in therapy, a lot of trauma work, a lot of, you know, talk about the military, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, working with PTSD and working yeah. with with a lot of things, there's something very healing and very um, yeah, just very enlivening and very useful about working with what it is to be in our bodies in the present moment and that next step, as you say, and the next step. And yeah, when you go on a physical journey in therapy, when we go out and we walk to some degree you're embodying that intention because you are taking yeah. the next step and taking the next step. 
Mm. And so you're kind of working it through internally and externally. And that that's an interesting combination. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, no doubt. Listen, um, just before just before we're going to wrap it up, I, I would like to hear more about your your adventures in the in the mountains. <laughs> and how how does it how does it start? It was it was it uh, is it came from that line of geo geology and fascination with the you know how the mountains were built, I or was so. it? Yeah, I think I just something connected with me and mountains. In my late teens, I mean, I didn't grow up in an outdoorsy family. I didn't grow up up in a didn't grow up in a mountain environment. Although we did spend a lot of time in North Wales in the Snowdonia mm -hmm. uh, range, but on family holidays. But I think for a lot of years that wasn't so present. I think for me, when I was younger, it was all I was always talking to animals. Oh. <laughs> I was very connected to nature, but it was more about. Um, the animal world and so I think mm -hmm. as I got to my late teens I just suddenly got captivated by mountains and then I did a bit of travel um, I wanted to study it and it just grew and grew until last year I realized was the first time I'd taken a holiday that didn't have anything to do with mountains in about 15 years or something <laughs> because it's just what I go for I just like right mm -hmm. I want to go to mountains so I it's just been an ever sort of increasing and sustaining thing since my late teens. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I just love them. And yeah, I think the, you know, a couple of years ago I did the, what, 2018 now, oh God, how, how's that happened? Um, hmm. I did the, the Bosnia trip and I yeah. was due to be going back this year um, to mm -hmm. do the next leg from Montenegro, uh, the border with Montenegro to the, the border with Albania. Mm -hmm. Um, and that obviously got delayed because of COVID. But I just find it's, they're the best places to get perspective, to go on yeah. an inner journey. And I, I love trips by myself. I mean, I love trips mm. with other people as well. But I, I think mm. there's, to make time every year to do something alone that's kind of yeah. soul enriching and is yeah. challenging and gets you out there and having to rely on yourself a little bit are you camping are you camping during those trips or you you have your tent? yeah so in bosnia so bosnia it was two weeks of sort of wild camping and would dip in and out of kind of um more local towns or villages to resupply and mm -hmm. sometimes to stay somewhere and get a shower <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just my just my my little tent little sleeping bag and mm -hmm. food and yeah heading off into the wild a little bit right and is that something that you're that you're doing or you consider doing with people um you know you're 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 working with to get them out and and let them uh experience this slow down yeah is... i do off i i would love to do more of it i do offer sort of multi day bespoke packages i suppose that are a bit like coaching where we might go outside but because it's multi-day the pace is a lot different so mm -hmm. in some ways it's being um being there witnessing and helping someone to build their confidence but i haven't yet gone down the route of doing it with a group or um you know having mm -hmm. an organized i think for me what i'm still trying to work out is you know do i want to run a holiday and a walking holiday or do i want to do therapy and 
you know, I, I haven't got any desire to take people on just on a walking holiday. I don't just want to be someone's walking guide. So uh-huh. I'm still trying to work out how it could be done. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the best way I've found so far is just to sort of do it myself and tell people about it and hope that it inspires <laughs> them to go and do their own. Um, yeah. Cause I think they're very, um, it's very enriching, but I do do sort of day length um, things where we'll go and we'll walk together and, and that simulates it a bit. But as you say, there's something that the compound interest of that over like two weeks, mm-hmm. a week or two weeks, and even, you know, more and more coming into yourself and your body and into nature and really slowing down. You can't simulate that in a day. It has yeah. to, yeah, it has to, you have to give that the, your time and your attention, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give to anyone who is listening now to this and say, like, well, I would like to try that, you know, being in nature for a day or two days, kind of um, get, you know, alone with himself almost, right? Because this is, this is often what we, what we missing and, and we don't even realize, right? I, I always think yeah. about a person who comes to the room and the first thing they do, they turn on the radio, turn on the TV. Yeah. And it's like, did you, are you listening to that? No, no, I'm not listening. Right? I just need they, the noise. Yeah, yeah they, they even tell you, like, I'm not listening. But then when you turn it off, it's like, it's like, <laughs> they're also uh, almost feel like uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think a lot of this time. I think we've had a real, I think, is it John O'Donoghue that got said, called it the um, evacuation of interiority? Like, we have forgotten how to be with ourselves. And, <laughs> you know social media fills all the gaps for us and so we're we're losing the art of solitude and i think i i would encourage you know in terms of tips Mm. i would say you know i'm very used to my own company i like it i've been cultivating it for years i I, i've you know I, i try and spend time every day by myself and i don't when i'm on my own i don't listen to a lot i don't have a lot of stuff going on i like Mm -hmm. it to be quite quiet but I think if you're not that person, you have to start off be taking an appraisal of what would be a step up for me. What would be a step in the right direction? Because mm. I think people can you can end up having a horrible experience if you go from being somebody that doesn't eat, can't even have the radio off because you can't bear your own thoughts to two weeks in the wild. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that wouldn't end up well. <laughs> so, I, you know, so I think we have to, you know, treat solitude as a discipline and a practice and, you know, start by having 15 minutes to yourself in the morning with a cup of tea or coffee not doing anything but sitting with yourself mm. and build up to maybe a day or you know half a day then a day and then maybe an overnighter and and plan plan for it plan for what you where you want to get to you know maybe you want to have a, a two-week three-week trip um but how are you going to get there and and what else could you do before? Because it is challenging. And I found that, you know, on my, in in Bosnia on my own Mm -hmm. day in, day out. And I didn't have any books. I didn't have any podcasts. I didn't Mm -hmm. have anything. It was very, very stripped back. Um, And it was total solitude. There was nobody around in the mountains, really. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to be alone with yourself. And I realized my own sort of mental fragility and I would have went into that considering, yeah, I've got this. (laughs) I could do this. So I think we, you know, we have to kind of retrain ourselves to do that. Yeah. So I would say, take your time, spend a bit of time every day and, and build up to whatever your goal is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we're really not built for that either. Right. The same way as we not built for having 
thousand or five thousand online friends we also know yeah, that we're not for... designed to be hermits either are we i mean mm. we're very much about and i i i love this idea of solitude that we going out on our own and time alone is a way of coming back to others that it's mm. we're not looking at two kind of you have to be that or that it's like it it helps resource me to come back and be good for other people so I think, you know, and we're relational creatures. We're not designed just to go and sit in a cave and twiddle our thumbs and be by ourselves. <laughs> as tempting as sometimes it feels, I think we have to, we have to learn to balance the two. But I think we've gone the wrong way. We've, we've become entirely, I was going to say entirely relational, but we're not. We're entirely in the company of others. We're not necessarily actually having good relationships, but and we've mm -hmm. forgotten the lost art of of how to be with ourselves. Yes. Um, so I think that's we need to redress that balance. I don't think we're in danger of most people aren't in danger of too much solitude. Although mm -hmm. of course it's a very real problem, the the social problem of loneliness. But that's different. I think loneliness Ex is is the is the erroneous cousin of solitude. <laughs> it's the darker yes. side. Yes, because you can be like you can be surrounded by people. Mm. Like this is especially something um, that that you can witness or 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 feel like in the city, in a big city, yeah. right? When you're when you're in a I don't know in a subway or in a in a street, and oh, yeah. you're you're you're. You're, you are alone, but there's I like- I feel a... very lonely when I go to London, for example, and yet two weeks in Bosnia by myself, I didn't feel lonely once. Mm -hmm. It's a, such a different, it's got a different quality altogether. And I think that being amongst others that we don't feel a connection with is especially lonely, isn't it? You can be very lonely in a relationship in your life because mm -hmm. they're there, but they're not there. And that's what social media has done to a lot of us is, you know we're 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 almost there we're a friend we're a follower and we convince ourselves if i just look at all their stories and posts then that's true connection but what is it really yeah it's still quite lonely because it's not it's not this is it so yeah. um yeah i think tolerating lo solitude is about balancing yeah. loneliness with the, the the purposeful time alone which can be very enriching if we're if we're not afraid of it I, I like what you said. It's like a almost like a way of coming back, mm. and and kind of bringing inside you something you can offer to to all the other people. Um, what uh, what final word or for what what final advice would you leave to would you give to the listeners of 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 my podcast? M mainly outdoors people, but also I presume uh, people very heavily social media <laughs> embedded <laughs> like we all in fairness uh, like like we all you know i noticed that myself that uh since i uh you know i never had a facebook and like in my personal you know i i opened facebook page for the podcast just just for other people who are on facebook but with all the you know social media where i'm I found this like sometimes it's like oh no it's it's too much and I'm kind of like I have this way of falling back to that I'm a I'm a content creator I'm just putting stuff out and I I'm not necessarily need to catch up with like you said every post every story and every photo mm -hmm. someone else which is like I'm putting stuff out there for people to enjoy um, but th that's that's kind of like a different thing um, 
but what what would you what would you say even from the perspective of how to check yourself are you not you know heading down the wrong way almost kind of mm. I, I, big question. Um, I think I, you know, encourage people to take an honest look at the behaviors when you're starting to develop weird behaviors and kind of automatic stuff and you're losing time. <laughs> and suddenly you come around, you know, like I've spent 20 minutes mindlessly scrolling through four apps, like, like an automaton. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, become aware and be honest with yourself. But generally I'd say, you know, reclaim relationships I, i think make time for them reclaim them you know is what you're engaging in um is it satisfying that i think we're we need meaningful relationships and i think that goes with you know when i say that i mean that about our relationship with the rest of nature as well it's mm. don't just go outside and use it as a playground it's one of my worst things i hate that it's like it's as soon as we de it's sort of devalue it in that way and just say it's for our utility it's for our mm -hmm. fun then we lose that very precious quality of relationship you know go out and have meaningful experiences whether you're fishing <laughs> whether you're running like go and let it mean something to you engage with it talk with the world whatever that means for you you know it doesn't necessarily mean words it's about it's a kind of a living It can be very secular, it can, you know, but it's go out and where your time and your effort with nature is like a prayer, you know. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, I think that quality of relationship is what we're in danger of missing with social media when everything has become content. So I would just say to people, check in with yourself, you know, how much of, are you just churning out content? Are you just doing stuff to tick boxes? Are you just wading through a to-do list? And how much are you actually reclaiming the beauty of, of contact and in encounter and experience with the other, whether that's through a, on a screen or if it's with um, the natural world, yeah. because I think that's what's being eroded the most and the fastest is our, is our relationships. Yes. Fantastic. Ruth, listen, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? The best way, um, if people want to, yeah, just show appreciation, then I guess whitepeak underscore Ruth on Instagram is the best way. That's where I usually am. If people want to ask anything more specific or are interested in my work, I say visit my website, which is whitepeakwellbeing.com, or email me, which is ruth at whitepeakwellbeing.com. And that's usually the most reliable way because, I, as I say, I'll go on and off social media, but mm -hmm. I will always at some point see my emails. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very it's very healthy. Listen, Ruth, thank you very much for for that conversation. It's it's been great, and uh, it's thank it's you. always Thanks nice. Thank you, and uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thanks a yeah, lot. Yeah, definitely. Thank you.